Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, I'll begin with verse 21 and conclude with 24, pins the following words. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. You may be seated. Three points on your outline this morning, really one point, two sub-points. Point number one, if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to take notes, is this. In God's wisdom, in his perfect wisdom, he has ordained a divine order in the marriage relationship. In God's infinite, perfect, unerring wisdom, he has ordained a divine order in the marriage relationship. Let me draw your attention first to the phrase, wives submit to your own husbands. Let's look at that for a moment. What does the word submit mean? Uh, The word submit, maybe your version says subject, wives be subject. Uh, The word there is the Greek word uh, hupotasso. Uh, And it's a compound word from from two Greek words. The word hupo, it means under. Uh, And the word tasso, it means to set in place or to arrange in an orderly fashion. So if you take those two words, that that compound word there, and you you put it together, what Paul is saying when he says, wives submit to or wives be subject to your husband, is he's saying, wives, place yourself under your husband in an orderly fashion. You see, God is a God of design, a God of purpose, and a God of order. And in his unerring wisdom, he has ordained an order, an ordered equality, but in order in the marriage relationship. Husbands and wives are equal in the sight of God. We need to state that right off the bat this morning. Both image bearers. Paul isn't saying husbands are elevated and wives are to be oppressed. There is absolute equality of value, but at the same time, there is absolute difference when it comes to role. Understand? Absolute equality of value. We're not saying husbands are elevated and wives are oppressed. Both image bearers created in the image of God to honor and to glorify him, but uniquely, uniquely designed with a uniquely different role within the marriage relationship. There's a designed distinction in the way in which a husband and wife are to relate to one another. You ever ask yourself this question, when did submission begin? When did it begin? Wayne Grudem offers some helpful thoughts here. He says the idea of headship for a husband and submission for a wife existed before creation. It began in the relationship between the Father and the Son in the Trinity. You see, the Father has eternally had leadership role and an authority role within the, within the Trinity that the Son voluntarily does not have. Absolutely equal. Absolutely equal are the members of the Trinity. Similarly, the Holy Spirit is both subject to the Father and the Son, and he plays a different role in creation and in the work of salvation. Even as we look at salvation, we see God as the author of salvation. 
the one who, uh, if I can take you back to Ephesians chapter 1, before the, before the foundation of the world authored it, uh, the Son is the one who came in and accomplished it. He is the one who lived a victorious, sinless life and died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago, bearing the full weight of God's wrath. He is the accomplisher of salvation, and the Spirit is the applier of salvation. The one who comes in and removes a dead, cold heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh. So we see even amongst the Trinity, there's absolute equality, but yet at the same time, uh, the the theological phrase here would be voluntary subordination. The Son, though He is equal in essence to the Father and in character to the Father, He subordinates Himself to the Father. Likewise, the Spirit subordinates himself to the Father and the Son. So when did the idea of headship and submission begin then? Well, the idea of of submission never began. It never began. It has always existed in the eternal nature of God himself. And in this most basic of all authority relationships, he passes that on to us. I think it's important that we also state that submission doesn't only apply to wives. Submission applies to all believers. We're going to talk about it specifically this morning uh, in its application to wives, but, but submission applies to all believers. Let me just draw your attention back for a moment to verse 21. Paul says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's how we are to relate to one another in the body of Christ. It's showing deference and preference. It's, no, not me, but you. And then you would turn around and you would say, no, not me, but you. It's the Philippians 2, 3 through 5, that we would look to the interests of others as being greater than our own interests, that we would have this mind in ourselves, which is in Christ, who though he was, in the, very, uh, though he was the very equality of God, it was, in, was found in the nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a servant. There you see subordination. He made himself a servant. But we are to submit to one another. No, not me, but you. And you would turn around and say, no, not me, but you. That's the way that life in the church is supposed to look. Uh, But even outside of that, we're all called to submit to the governing authorities. Let me uh, turn your attention at some point in your own uh, devotional study to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, or 1 Peter chapter 2. You'll see that we all have a responsibility to be submissive to those uh, that are in authority over us. That's the way the world works. We'll see that children are to be submissive to and obey their parents. That's coming up in Ephesians chapter 6. I think about the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who who looked into Jesus' eyes and said, I too am a man under authority. Though he was in a place, uh, an elevated place of status, he recognized that he himself was a man under authority. Jesus even yielded to his Father's will when he laid down his life for us. He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. You see, submission applies to all believers. We must remember that what we're looking at here, beginning in verse 22, where wives are called to submit to their own husbands, is but an application of a much greater general principle found in verse 21, and that's that we are to submit to one another out of reverence, literally the word is, out of fear for Christ. 
You see subjection there. It's not merely to be on the part of one alone, that is the wife alone. But in the case of Christian husbands and wives, it is to be done by both. And I think you'll see as we study weighty words for husbands that subjection applies there too. You see, the husband is to subject himself to the wife as much as the wife is to subject herself to the husband. The method will differ, but the principle is the same for each. Notice that Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands. You see, that means that there is a uniquely fitting submission to your own husband that is not fitting in relation to any other man. And so when we read verse 22, and some have mistaught this passage uh, to say that women are to be in submission to every man. That is not what Paul is teaching here. Paul is teaching that there is a fitting submission that a wife is to have to her husband and her husband alone. Ladies, you're not called to submit to all men the way that you do your husband. You're called to be submissive to the man that God has gifted you with. Yes, I said that, has gifted you with. He's a gift, just as much as you are a gift to him. What does submission mean for a wife in marriage? did a lot of reading this week in, in some helpful marriage books that I have read through in the past and even in studying the scripture. But Piper, John Piper, helpfully defines submission this way. I think this is beautiful. He says, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and to affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry it through according to her gifts. That's a beautiful picture. That's not totalitarian. That's not dictatorship. That is a wife is uniquely fitted to help her husband. That she is to bring herself under her husband's leadership in in an orderly way. Hupotasso, in an ordered fashion, to affirm her husband's leadership and to help him carry it out according to her unique giftedness. I mean, hey, it doesn't take long in marriage to realize, and, and probably you figure this out in the, in the dating and engagement period, but, but your wife, husbands, are probably uniquely gifted different than you are. Wives, your husbands, are probably uniquely gifted different than you are. It doesn't mean that we can't share some of the same spiritual gifting, but oftentimes we're gifted uniquely different, and that's a beautiful thing. So a part of submission is a wife coming alongside her husband and using her unique giftedness to affirm his leadership over his home. You see, that's a beautiful picture, then, of submission. That's not what the feminist movement has gotten a hold of. They have gotten a hold of this idea which is anti-biblical, of dictatorship, totalitarianism, which you don't find in Paul anywhere. You see, that's the beauty of God's design. But unfortunately, the beauty of God's design has been misapplied in more than a few marriages. Let me give you some thoughts here as to what submission does not mean. I think it's helpful sometimes to have a clearer understanding of what something does mean sometimes by first stating what it doesn't mean. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you first, what does submission not mean? And I'm going to wait until the very end of my message to come back and tell you, okay, well then what should submission look like in a godly family? Tell you what it doesn't mean now. I'm going to keep you on the cliff, hang in there until the end of the message, and I'll give you some practical thoughts on what I think it biblically looks like as it flourishes within 
uh, the walls of a Christian home. But first, what does submission not mean? Well, submission does not mean subservient. Submission does not mean subservient. It's not synonymous with inferior or less important or lacking dignity and value. That is not what submission means. That is not what wives be subject to your husband means. Husbands, do not treat your wives as though they are inferior. They are an image bearer, a daughter of the king. They're not less important. They don't lack any dignity, and they have no less value than you do. Distinct roles, equality of value. Secondly, submission doesn't mean that a wife becomes a slave. Quite the opposite is true. A wife who's humbly submissive to her husband is never freer, as a matter of fact. Because it's only then, it's only as she's relating to her husband, as God has designed her to relate to her husband, that she can become everything that God has designed her and intended for her to become. Let me take you back to what the psalmist said, how I opened the message, Psalm 1830. As for God, his ways are perfect. His ways are perfect. A wife who's humbly submitted to her husband is never freer because it's only then that she's able to become everything that God has intended her to be, to flourish in the way that God has intended her, you, to flourish under your husband's faithful leadership. Hopefully it's faithful leadership. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Number three, submission doesn't mean that you follow blindly and absolutely. It doesn't mean that that you just are a yes woman and you follow blindly and absolutely. You see, ultimately, Christ is the wife's final authority. She is his bride first. She's his bride first. As a wife follows her calling to submit in marriage, she is ultimately submitting to Christ. And so where this would apply is at any point in time, if a wife is asked to do something contrary to the revealed will of God because she is first married to Christ, because he is her first bridegroom, she has the responsibility to obey Christ rather than a husband. Now, husbands, here's the encouragement. Don't ever ask your wife to do anything that is contrary to the revealed will of God as expressed in his word. But if that ever is the case in a marriage, a wife has the responsibility before the Lord to reply just like Peter, James, and John did before the Jewish Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 when they were told to no longer speak in the name of Jesus Christ. And they turned back to the governing authorities and said, albeit with humility, and I probably would submit trembling, said, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's eyes for us to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but speaking about that which we've seen and heard. A wife needs to understand that Jesus Christ is her first bridegroom and she is ultimately, ultimately accountable and responsible to him. So submission then doesn't just mean blind followership. It doesn't just mean absolute followership no matter what I'm asked to do. You should never be asked to sin. Number four, submission doesn't mean that you're called to submit to every man. Talked about that. There's a fitting Uh, connection here between a wife and her husband. Wives, submit to your own husband. Okay? Number five, submission doesn't mean putting the will of your husband before the will of Christ. Submission doesn't mean seeking to please your husband before seeking to please Christ. Remember, Christ is your ultimate authority. He is your first bridegroom. Now, as wives... 
think you should seek to please your husband. Husbands, I think you should seek to please your wives and honor them and revere them and encourage them and build them up. But it doesn't mean that a wife is to put the will of her husband before the will of Christ. A submission doesn't mean that a wife is dependently exclusive upon her husband for spiritual growth. A husband should be helping his wife grow spiritually. A husband should be encouraging his wife with the word. But submission doesn't mean that a wife is completely dependent upon her husband if she's going to grow. Submission doesn't mean that a wife should act out of or live in a state of fear towards her husband. That's not the biblical definition of submission. Submission doesn't mean that a wife never has a say or that she isn't able to express her opinion. That's not what Paul's meaning here. Matter of fact, a marriage that flourishes is a marriage in which a wife is able to humbly express her thoughts and to share her heart with her husband. I mean, she has, if she's converted, the very Spirit of God in her. She's a major contributor to your marriage. Husbands, listen to your wives. Hear them. Don't just listen with your ears. Seek to understand them. As a matter of fact, you have a responsibility to do that according to 1 Peter 5, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You won't figure her out. But the call is to live with her in an understanding way. Speaking about the the wisdom, I think, that our wives often have. Solomon, why Solomon penned these words? Speaking uh, about the Proverbs 31 woman, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Husbands, listen to your wives. Ultimately, at the end of the day, responsibility for your family falls on you, the head. But husbands, listen to your wives. Submission does not mean that she doesn't have a say or that she can't express her heart. It's not what it means. And then lastly, just trying to color for you, to give you a picture here. Submission doesn't mean that a wife shrivels up and that she allows her gifts and abilities to become dormant. That's not what submission means. God wants you, wives, to be using your giftedness, to be using your God-given talents and abilities. Let me again direct your attention to the Proverbs 31 woman. She was very industrious. Doesn't mean that you that you shrivel up as a wife and that you, you can't exercise your gifts, your talents, and your abilities given to you by God. That's not what submission means. Okay? Now, let me take you back to Piper's definition here, which I think was so helpful. Piper, John Piper, defines submission as this: the divine calling of a wife. It's a calling, ladies. It's a get-to. It's a privilege. It's an honor. The divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help him carry it through according to her unique giftedness. That's what it means to be subject to your husband. That's what it means to submit to your husband. It doesn't mean what the feminist movement has made it to mean today. Again, I'll come back at the end of the message, and I want to share with you some practical ways that I think that submission plays itself out in the family unit. You ask yourself this question, well, what if my husband's not a believer? What do I do then, pastor? What do I do if my husband's not a believer? Well, for those of you ladies that are here this morning who are married to an unbeliever, you have a very unique opportunity. It's an opportunity that Scripture never tells us to seek, by the way. You're not told to seek an unbelieving spouse. As a matter of fact, you're told to seek the very opposite. But if you find yourself married to an unbeliever, you have a unique opportunity, ladies. If you're married to an unbelieving husband, Peter 
has some very helpful counsel for you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This is what Peter says. He says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if he does not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I think there's two applications here. Uh, two ways that we could interpret this. I think it can, can be interpreted, uh, one, the wife who's married to a believer who is momentarily acting out of disobedience. So a wife married to a Christian husband who is momentarily acting out of disobedience. How is she to respond submissively? Well, she is to respond uh, purely and respectfully. Peter says that he might be won without a word by your conduct. But I think we could also interpret this text here, the wife who's married to an unbeliever who's perpetually acting in disobedience to the word of God. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you honor him. You respect him. You pray for him. Uh, you have pure conduct with him in hopes that your conduct might win him to the Lord. So ladies, if you're here this morning and you have a husband uh, who's unbelieving, and there's, there's so much more that could be said on the topic, uh, I understand that, but you have a unique opportunity. And the unique opportunity that you have is to be a witness for Jesus Christ to your husband. Pray for him, that he might come to saving faith in Christ because he sees it exemplified in your life. Okay? You ever wonder why submission isn't easy? Why, why, why is this not easy? Wives, you need to know that following your husband won't always be easy. Amen? There were a few honest. Sin has taken what God has designed for good, and he's distorted it. Following your husband's leadership, submitting to your husband, being subject to him in all things won't always be easy. And the reason behind that is because sin has taken what is good and distorted it. Turn in your Bible for a moment to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. This will probably be a familiar text to most of you. But Moses here in Genesis 3, 16 is recounting God's curse of sin. And this is what God has said. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then there's this sentence right here. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. That word desire there is a unique word. Oftentimes when we think about the word desire, we think about emotions. We think about it being connected to our emotions. But that's not what God's talking about here when he says that your desire will be for your husband. You see, desire has the the root word to seek control or to master. Desire here in in Genesis 3.16 has the root word to seek to control or to master. It's the same word. Look right over at Genesis chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7. We see the same word pop up here. Here's the context. Cain had brought an offering that consisted of the fruit of the ground, and God did not accept it. He accepted Abel's offering, did not accept Cain's offering. And then Moses writes, 
Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's, that's sin's, desire is for you, but you must rule over it. In other words, what we're being told here is that sin's desire is to master you, but you must master sin. You see, the word desire in Genesis 3.16 means that because of Adam's sin, wise, you have a hardwired disposition or desire to rule over your husband, to distort what God said was good, God's original intention for divine order within the family unit. That's hardwired in you. Why is submission so hard? One word, sin. Sin is why it's so hard. Sin is also why it's so hard for husbands to exercise the loving, lion-like leadership that we're going to talk about next week. Sin is the issue. That's why it's so hard, because we're selfish. At the root of sin is self. We love ourselves more than we ought. Because of sin, wives, you need to know that you have a hardwired disposition. doesn't mean that we can't be growing. doesn't mean that we can't honor Christ in our marriage. doesn't mean that at all. We can. Praise the Lord. But it means that, that there is a, a hardwired disposition to desire to rule over your husband. I think that's why Paul addresses wives first here in these verses. Guys, you're not off the hook. Okay? I think that's why Paul addresses wives first in these verses. You see, wives, you'll be tempted at times to be discontent. You'll be tempted to be dissatisfied. You'll be tempted to be rebellious towards God's design for you as a helper and follower of your husband. If your mind strays from God's truth, it will become easy for you to revert back to the world's view and the world's thinking thinking that differing roles, headship and submission, means that you are less valuable in some way which it does not mean, biblically. In these moments of temptation, be quick to remind yourself that the Lord Jesus himself, though he, he was God, willingly submitted himself to his Father's will. You see, being submissive to your husband, it requires the death of self. It requires the death of self. It means that you've got to wake up every morning and to put your own will and your own ways in the grave. And we've all got to do that. In all reality. But wise, if you want to honor Christ in being submissive to your husband, it means you've got to wake up every morning and to put your will and your ways in the grave. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And that you would humbly, lovingly, willfully, joyfully submit to your husband's leadership over your home and not seek to subvert it. And husbands... Lest you think your wife is the only one who has to wake up each day and die to herself, let me remind you of Jesus' call to lay down your life for your wife. Ladies, when you're tempted to look at other wives and to think of yourself, if my husband were only remotely like her husband, then it would be a whole lot easier to live out God's call for me to submit to my husband. Let me encourage you to think about this simple truth. When you look at someone else's life, thinking that it's better than your own, Just remember what God's given you was designed for you and you alone. What if you're here this morning and you're unmarried? A good number of you here this morning who are unmarried. What's the application here of 
submission to the unmarried lady. Let me give you just a couple practical thoughts here. Number one, ladies, if you aren't married, then until you have a husband, Christ is your husband. Submit yourself wholeheartedly to him. Revere him, honor him, love him. Submit to him, yield to him. Let me take you back to the language of just a couple of weeks ago uh, and, and be uh, submissive to yield yourself to the spirit of God. Run hard, run fast after him. Until you have a physical husband, Christ is your husband. And that doesn't mean when you get married that Christ isn't your first bridegroom. But you only have one bridegroom until you get married. And that is Jesus. And then secondly, ladies, choose your husband wisely. Choose your husband wisely because the man whom you choose is the man whom you will be called for life, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, until death do us part, to be submissive to, to fall in order with his leadership over your home. Think wisely about who you'll marry then. Is this a man whom you're ready to willingly, joyfully honor and be submissive to for the rest of your days? Let me take you to point number two on your outline. A submissive wife is motivated by the worship of Christ. What you need to know, here, here's the overarching theme, and I'll carry it in the next week too, when we begin talking about husbands, that in God's wisdom, he's divine, he has ordained divine order in the home. Okay? Equality and equal value, husbands and wives. We're not talking better and lesser, but we are talking about distinct roles, unique roles. Head, which carries with it a whole host of responsibilities, men, and the wife who is to submit or be subject to her husband, which carries a whole host of responsibilities, ladies. But a submissive wife is motivated by the worship of Christ. Let me draw your attention to verse 22 again, just this short phrase, as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands. That's the divine order. And then here is the motivation. As to the Lord. You know, some have mistakenly interpreted this phrase to mean that a wife is to treat her husband as a Lord. And while some husbands would like that, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul isn't saying treat your husband as Lord, but rather in your submission to your husband, you should carry it out as worship to the Lord. All of life is worship. Doing dishes is worship. Parenting is worship. Getting up early and going to work tomorrow morning is worship. Submitting to your husband's leadership over your home ought to be done as worship to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Your submission to your husband's loving, lion-like leadership, self-sacrificial leadership over your home is to be motivated primarily by a worship of the Lord. Wives, you'll struggle. You'll struggle to be humbly submissive to your husband if you're not first daily submitting to Christ. If, if you're not yielded to Christ, if, if you're not humbly submitted to him, then you will struggle to be daily submitted to your husband who is imperfect in every way. 
It's only when, you, when you're daily dying to yourself and, and gratefully presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God and yielding to the indwelling Holy Spirit who gives you both the desire and the power can you carry out the call to willingly put yourself under your husband's authority. Warren Wearsby says this. He says, when a Christian wife submits to Christ and lets him be the Lord of her life, she'll have very little difficulty in submitting to her husband. You need to first be submitted to Christ wholeheartedly, without reservation, joyfully, gladfully, excitedly. And let that be the motivation to humbly submit to your husband, which ought to be a joy and an honor and a privilege. We'll talk more about that as we continue. But ladies, your your submission to your husband must be motivated by the worship of Christ. If, If there is some other motivating reason there, I can tell you that submission to your husband will become drudgery and duty very quickly. It will cease to be a delight, which in God's wisdom, that's the way that he's ordered it. He's ordered it such that a wife should be able to delight and flourish and grow and thrive under her husband's headship. If you're not first submitted to Christ, then you're you're plugging yourself into something else for motivation. And whatever it is that you're plugging yourself into for motivation will cause submission to your husband to be drudgery and duty in just a matter of time. Be on your outline. A submissive wife has the honor of reflecting the beauty of Christ and the church. A submissive wife has the honor of reflecting the beauty of Christ and the church. Paul tells us that the purpose of marriage is to reflect the gospel. That's the purpose of marriage. Is that that your marriage would be a shining representation of the gospel to a lost and dying world. Look at verses 23 and 24. Paul says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. You see, a husband's call. Headship finds its way in the text here in verses 23 and 24, so I'll say just a few brief words about that, but I want to reserve most of that for next week as we talk specifically to you husbands. But a husband's call is to lead a wife, is to lead a wife in such a way that your marriage would be a representation of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. The husband's model of love is representative of of Jesus' love portrayed in laying down his life for the church. And the wife models the church's submission. And and, and she she honors and she respects her bridegroom. That's the picture there. Just as the church follows Jesus as her head and uses her gifts to carry out his mission in the world, so wives, you have the privilege and are called to respect and yield to your husband's leadership and to use your unique giftedness to help further your husband's leadership purposes for your marriage and family. And hopefully those purposes would be God-honoring purposes. No other relationship this side of eternity so fully mirrors God's purposes in the universe than the marriage relationship. 
When a wife is willingly and lovingly and gratefully submitted to her husband and a husband is laying down his life in sacrificial leadership for his wife and his family, something of the nature of the gospel is made clear both to that family unit and the kiddos that are hopefully watching this play out and to a lost and dying world in which we live. When a husband and wife are functioning in light of their design, a husband and wife will shine like a bright light pointing others to the grace of Christ. How are we doing there, husbands and wives? We blow it. We blow it often. But are we growing there? Wives, are you lovingly and cheerfully and gladly and humbly and excitedly ordering yourself under your husband's leadership for your home? Are you going at him? Are you seeking to subvert his leadership? Husbands, let me just say this. To the degree that you don't lead your family well, you just need to remember that your wife has that hard wire to lead. And if you don't do it, she will pick up the slack. And that causes all kinds of issues and challenges. And if that's not God's design. But husbands, if you don't do your job, most wives will do it for you. That's not a good thing. It's not honoring to Christ. It's not God's design. And it causes a whole host of problems in, in, relation, in the marriage relationship. I can tell you because I've seen it oftentimes in marriage counseling. When we get roles mixed up or when a husband's abdicating his role and responsibility or where a wife refuses to honor Christ in submitting to her husband's loving leadership. You see, godly submission is an act of faith. When a wife humbly submits to her husband, she's in effect placing her trust in God because there's an inherent danger in submitting to others. Think about that. There's an inherent danger in submitting to others. What's the inherent danger, you ask? Well, the inherent danger is that the one that I'm submitting to might take advantage of my submission to them. Far be it from a Christian husband to take advantage of his wife's humble submission to him. Don't do it, men. Honor her, cherish her, nourish her. Those are words we're going to see next week. Nourish her, cherish her. Protect her submission to you. Encourage her. A wife's willing submission to her husband requires faith in the sovereignty of God over her marriage. She must trust that God is working in the life of her husband and that he, her husband, is walking in humble submission to Christ. Remember, we're all subject to authority. Wives, it's not just you be subject to your husbands. It's wives, you be subject to your husbands who are themselves subject to Christ. We're all under authority. And in God's wisdom, he has ordained it that way and it is good. As for God, his ways are perfect. Men, are you growing as an imitator of God? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in wisdom? If so, you won't have to coax your wife to submit to you. It will be your greatest, it'll be her greatest joy. Uh, let me make this statement, men. You ought, to, you ought to lead your wife and lead your family. Men, I got your ears and your attention. You ought to lead your wife and your family in such a way as makes it your wife's absolute joy to be submissive to you. How are we doing there? You ought to lead your wife and lead your family 
so well, so lovingly, so self-sacrificially as it makes your wife's day to bring herself under your loving leadership. Doesn't mean that it's not challenging. Doesn't mean that there aren't going to be days where it's difficult. But where it's her joy and it's her delight. Then are you leading in that type of way? That's, that's the head that we see here in the text. Jesus is the head of the church. That's the way we see him leading, right? And this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and he laid down his life for us. Husbands, if you're laying down your life for your wife, she will be overjoyed to fall in line with your leadership. For the most part. What does godly submission look like? We're out of time. I understand that. Let me buy a few minutes and we'll finish this. What does godly submission in everything look like? I I, I share with you what it's not, what it doesn't mean, but I haven't shared with you yet what it looks like. What does it look like practically? What does it look like fleshed out in the home? Paul says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay? Let me take what time we have left, although we don't have any time left, and try to paint a picture for you of what godly submission should practically look like in your home. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. This is just to get juices flowing. Number one, godly submission. Wives, let me get your attention. Godly submission looks like a heart that honors and respects her husband. Godly submission looks like a heart that honors, get that word, honors, and get the word respects, her husband. You see, wives, you have an immense high calling from God. You need to know that your husband has a deep-rooted need. He is hardwired to need love and respect. And it's a need that you have the God-given ability to provide. He needs to be respected by you. He needs to know that you trust his leadership. He needs to know that you're willing to follow him as he follows Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 He needs you to encourage him, to champion him, to respect him, and to honor him, to be his biggest fan, and never to degrade or belittle him. Your husband needs that from you. That's a part of what it means to to order yourself under the leadership of your husband, to respect and to honor him. That means to have respectful thoughts of your husband. What comes into your mind when you think of the man God has gifted you with? Because what comes into your mind is very important. I pray that you will never have a lack of God-honoring thoughts towards the man that God has given you. Don't forget that as you think, so you'll speak and so you'll act. Okay? If you think God-honoring thoughts towards your husband, you will more times than not act in a God-honoring way. You'll relate to him in a God-honoring way. He's undoubtedly imperfect. but Let me encourage you to dwell on his strengths and his God-given giftedness rather than on his weaknesses. Okay? Help him grow, and when he sins, point him to the gospel, point him to the grace of God, but dwell on his giftedness. As often as he comes to mind, take a moment and thank God for the wonderful gift that he's given you and your husband. First, let me ask you, do you believe that statement, that God has given you a wonderful gift in your husband? And not only respectful thoughts, but also respectful words. Let me encourage you to commend your husband, ladies. Encourage him whenever possible. I can tell you, he won't get that most days in the workplace. You have a unique ability to lift your husband up with what you say about him. Don't speak ill of him. Not to him and not to others behind his back. There is scarcely a greater lie than the old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's straight from the pit of hell. Words can crush. Words set a a forest ablaze. Words turn a great ship like a small rudder. 
How about respectful deeds? Respectful thoughts, respectful words, respectful deeds. Not only have you been called to respect your husband with thoughts and words, but also in your actions. Be intentional in looking for ways that you can serve him. Be the Proverbs 31.12 wife who seeks to do her husband good and not harm all the days of her life. Boy, what an epitaph. Leave him notes of encouragement. Ask him how you can pray for him. Love him loud and clear. Follow him with a surrendered heart. Not blindly, but with a surrendered heart seeking to please Christ. Secondly, godly submission looks like a heart that willingly follows your husband. It looks like a heart that willingly follows your husband, that respects and honors him, but that willingly follows him. Wives, you've been called by God to follow your husband's loving and sacrificial leadership in your wife. You see, submission and headship are not just theological terms for inferiority and superiority. And not just code words for that. Wives, you're not the lesser. Husband, you're not the greater. You're distinctly different in your God-given role. But wives, you have the immense privilege of following your husband as he follows Christ. He'll do it imperfectly. Confessions of a local pastor and husband. You see, nowhere in Scripture is the husband commanded to force his wife into submission. Or rather, uh, the, the wife is encouraged to willingly make herself submissive. Hey, you just, it's interesting here. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent and we're, we've already, we're at our time and I need to just land the plane and I got it. But bear with me for a second here. The, the language here, the word submit, is in the middle voice. I think you'll find this encouraging in the original language, in the Koine Greek language. In English, we only have two voices, active and passive. Those are the two voices that we have. The active voice is used when the subject performs an action. Uh, So we would say, she loved him. That's active. The passive voice is used when the subject undergoes an action. So we would say, she was loved. That's passive. But in the Koine Greek, unlike English, there's a third verse. We refer to it as the middle voice. It's between the active and the passive. You see, the middle voice is used to refer to an action that's carried out by one's self and for one's self. It's an action that's carried out by me, for me. That isn't, let me take you back to we're to submit to our husbands out of reverence and worship for Christ. But that's what the middle voice conveys there. Uh, The emphasis of the text here is wives willingly submit, willingly bring yourself under the authority of your own husbands. Many of you have probably referenced Matthew Henry commentary. Uh, If you haven't, let let me encourage you to add Matthew Henry to the list of good guys to read. Henry, as a poor young man, met a lady of nobility in London. And he fell greatly in love with her, and, and she fell in love with him, despite her prominent status. And she went home one day to tell her father about Henry, whom she had met. And, 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 and he, dad, and I understand this, tried to discourage her. And he said this, he said, that young man, he has no background, and you don't even know where he came from. And this young lady, speaking about Matthew Henry, which went on to be a great Bible commentator, she answered, you're right. I don't know where he came from, but I know where he's going, and I want to go with him. Two things. Men, do you know where you're going? Are you leading your family in, a, in a, an intentional direction? And ladies, are you excited to join him in the journey? Lastly, submission looks like coming alongside your husband with a joyful attitude. 
Think about Christ for a moment. How did he serve the Father? Was it in a spirit of resignation of, or servility or heaviness? Absolutely not. It was with a heart of overflowing gladness. He delighted to do the Father's will. Wives, let me encourage you, delight. Delight in following your husband. He is imperfect. He's going to be imperfect. He won't be perfect until he reaches eternity. Don't expect him to be perfect. Expect him to be growing. Husbands, expect your wives to be growing. Help each other grow in Christ. Don't expect your husband to be perfect. But you can lovingly, willingly, joyfully, excitedly, humbly follow his leadership even in light of his imperfections. Because the perfect one is the one to whom he submits. Right, men? Ladies, do you thank God for the gift that he's given you and your husband? Let me encourage you to ask God for a spirit of thankfulness for your husband. Thank, thank God for him often. You see, a thankless wife is a bitter wife. Same thing can be said about a husband. A thankless husband is a bitter husband. A thankless wife is a bitter wife, and a thankful wife is a joyful wife. To the degree that you are thankful for your husband, you will submit to him with great joy. Ask God to give you a spirit of thankfulness for the man whom he has gifted you with. To the degree that you're thankful, you'll have a joyful attitude and disposition towards following your husband's lead. Make no mistake about it, friends. Living out our unique God-designed roles in marriage, it's not easy, but it's glorifying to God and it's good for you.